In the past 22 years of my life, I can confidently state one solid observation. Working on solutions for climate change is kind of like dating a guy with a six pack. At first, it seems all glamorous and shiny. It's exactly what everyone thinks you're supposed to do. But then as you're a few dates in, or you're a few years into your career, you start to realize something's off. First, six-pack tank top bro clearly has emotional baggage because he takes like five days to respond to your text messages. Same like our politicians who claim to be climate leaders, but yet don't even show up in Congress to really push for progressive climate policy. Second, he has an inflated ego, just like the white environmentalists who scream and fight until they're blue in the face about polar bears and redwood trees, but don't even bat a lash or donate an ounce of their money to real social justice issues, like the clean water crisis happening in Flint, Michigan. And lastly, six-pack bro takes the cake because he is more concerned with his sex drive than my well-being and just tries to find the next girl that he can set his gaze onto. Just like how the fossil fuel industry thinks it can use and abuse resources for monetary gain because they can just find another planet. Oh, wait a second. We only have this one. So let's start fixing it. I'm Christy Drutman, and you are listening to Brown Girl Green. This is Christy Drutman, and you're listening to Brown Girl Green, where I interview environmental leaders and advocates about workplace and member diversity and inclusion. I'm working to change the image of what it means to be an environmentalist in the 21st century. Hey everyone, welcome to my first podcast. My name is Christy, for those of you who may not know me, and I wanted to spend this first episode explaining a little bit more about who I am and why I started Brown Girl Green. So it all started when I was born in a conservative hometown in Southern California. Shout out to my 951 homies. And I was born to a Filipina immigrant mother and a Jewish, Polish, Russian, American father. And growing up, I was really wanting to do something to help people. I just always had this innate drive that I wanted to make a change in the world. And of course, you know, being bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, I moved all the way up to Northern California to a very liberal university, UC Berkeley, where I was exposed to some of the most visionary and progressive and awesome people that I've ever met in my life. And was just like, wow, this is a completely different lifestyle and world than I've ever been used to. And I'm just, I'm going to go all into it. And so my freshman year of college, I was majoring in society and environment. And I was like, you know, environmental science and environmental work, that seems like a good way to help people. You know, I had never really been super into like environmental stuff. Like I was vegetarian, but like, I was never like, oh yeah, going on weekend backpacking trips or growing up really, you know, knowing all the details about like birds and trees and oceans. Like I, I, I knew some bits of those things. And and towards the end of high school, I got really passionate and, and involved with 
issues around, you know, water and hunger and poverty. But I was like, environmental work, that feels that feels like a space where I can can help people. And so freshman year of college, I'm majoring in environmental studies and instantly I meet these awesome people who are like, you're passionate about environmental issues. Like you should just like get into activism. And, you know, I felt like it was kind of cliche, like going to UC Berkeley and becoming like an activist, but I was like, I could get into it. I could vibe it out. And so I just kind of, I didn't even tiptoe into environmental activism. I dunked my head in and was swimming there for a hot minute. And I found myself one minute just like going to some meetings and conferences where I was hearing like really inspirational environmental speakers talking about the planet dying and what's going to happen by 2100, whether it's like too much carbon in the atmosphere to like live on a habitable planet to so much pollution affecting people's water systems to deforestation in the Amazon. Like I was like, oh my gosh, this is so depressing. And I went from, you know, that instance of just being like, wow, in the weeds, learning about how catastrophic and how urgent the climate crisis is to finding myself the next moment speaking in front of thousands of people in Sacramento, my first year of college about why they should ban fracking or pumping chemicals and water into the ground to extract oil and natural gas, telling all of them, you know, you need to end this, you need to stop this. Like I I was finding myself so confident and grounded in solutions that I didn't even fully know about or even was fully knowledgeable about, but I, I believed in it. I felt it in my bones, like, wow, like, this is my place, like, this feels right to me, because people are are recognizing me, and people are seeing that my voice and my opinions matter in this space, and so I was like, yes, I'm an environmental activist, I'm gonna take on the image of whatever that means, even though I've never really done full-on deep environmental work until literally right now, this is who I am now. (laughs) So I find myself drinking kombucha and planning hiking trips and going to organizing meetings and just like really finding myself falling in love with the idea of what it meant to be an environmentalist because I felt like every action I was participating in, every news article that I was reposting on Facebook, I was like, yes, I'm in it. This is my community. I'm here. And then I found myself by sophomore year of college, deep in doing statewide environmental organizing. And I just felt so freaking lost I was so burnt out. I was skipping classes to do environmental activist work. And I finally just kind of woke up and looked around me. And I was like, oh, crap. I'm the only brown girl in this entire room. Like, I was like, there's no Filipinos around me. There's no brown people. There's no black people around me. There's no none of that. I was like, what am I doing? And I found myself in these spaces where I had felt like I just drank the Kool-Aid. Like I was just like, oh no, this doesn't really speak to like any of my lived experiences except for the fact that I want to help people and I want to make a change. And I see 
environmental issues are impacting my family back home in the Philippines and impacting other communities from around the world, even impacting communities here in the Bay Area, in Richmond, in South San Francisco, like the list goes on and on. You know, where are any of those people in these in these rooms of like decision making and storytelling around environmental issues? And I was like, this is a problem. And so I found myself just like, none of this feels right to me. I need to take a step back. And I just I kind of gave it up. I was like, I guess that was it. Like, I think I just need to figure out how to get good grades again and (laughs) take care of myself and really do the what I'm supposed to things in college, like getting an internship. And that's exactly what I did. But somehow, some funny way, activism ended up creeping its head back into my life, but this time in a much more interesting and profound way. It was the summer after my sophomore year of college, and I decided to intern in Washington, D.C. for the federal government. While I was there, I was doing climate change research and getting to learn the nitty-gritty of how slow government works around climate policy. So I started looking outward. Why is no one in the mainstream media talking about climate change? And then I got even more interested in the topic of media and environmentalism and decided to look at my own apps. So the first app I I clearly thought was the best idea to go to was Tinder. So I look at all my matches and I was like, you know what, I'm going to do a little sociology experiment. So I copied and pasted this message to 200 matches. What do you think is the solution to climate change? And so I clicked, copied, pasted, swiped, did it over and over again for a few hours. And I I swear to you, I thought guys were going to be like, you heat up my ozone layer or your hot like solar panels or something stupid like that. But within only a few hours, I was getting messages from all sorts of people, people messaging me like, oh, I'm super for renewable energy, like geothermal and solar. Some guys were like, no, nuclear is the way, and just like laid out the research they've done on nuclear that maybe they read on Wikipedia or maybe they actually had credible sources. And then there were some people who were like, no, I have family who are in the coal and mining industry. Like, we can't just drop jobs real quick and shift people to this clean energy utopia you speak of. And so I was just sitting there like, whoa, 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 what just happened? And I saw that it was all different people from different ethnicities, different political backgrounds, just different lived experiences, all having some sort of stake or opinion about this topic and you know it's it's safe to assume that everyone has an opinion about this but to in order to like actually create like the dialogue that's necessary for a mainstream you know you need to be on apps like tinder and so in that moment after I was receiving all these responses it was almost like I received an epiphany like whoa this changes the game on climate activism for me this is what this is where it's at. And I began thinking, you know, what if we could just 
change mainstream environmentalism, how it's portrayed in the media, how we're talking about it, how we're even interacting with each other when discussing it, whether it's at a cocktail party or at the holidays with your cranky family members, you know, how do we really engage not only the head with all this data and scientific jargon, but also the heart by bringing in personal stories and really getting at the root of the economic and political exploitation and oppression that is affecting so many people in our nation and in our world today and is also at the root of why we're in the climate crisis we're in to begin with. And so in order for us to do this, we need to start understanding who does not have a seat at the table. And a lot of the people who don't have a seat at the table are majority people of color, women, queer folks, indigenous folks, low-income communities, and even people who don't share the mainstream belief systems or political values of environmentalists. So people on the right, people who live in rural America, who clearly didn't feel like they had a voice in American politics. And so I realized that there's all these different groups of people who have felt alienated and excluded and pushed out of the conversation about mainstream environmentalism. And I realized that I wanted to do something about it. So I created this concept of Brown Girl Green about two years after my experience in Washington, D.C., where I realized that social media as a tool is so powerful and so necessary at this time of an impending climate crisis. As we've seen through the Me Too movement and the movement for Black Lives, like we are at a time where social change is at the snap of our fingers through a hashtag, through a swipe, through a phone call or a video call with a complete stranger. I have seen my own personal life completely transform in the past couple of months as I've been building this platform just because I keep finding people who come from different walks of life that may or may not relate or resonate necessarily with mine who have some sort of opinion or empathetic feeling that we need to do something about climate change. And so my goal of this podcast is to not be siloed into any form or conclusion as to what is the solution to climate change, what is the exact version of environmentalism or sustainable living every carbon copy of a human being needs to follow. I think that I... I'm on a personal journey to try to explore what form of environmentalism I even subscribe to. Like, I don't subscribe to being a a manly man living off nature for three weeks and or whatever you want to call it. You know, maybe my environmentalism has some aspects of my culture in it, my identity, my spirituality, my understanding or misunderstandings of other people maybe my environmentalism is messy and could be viewed as uncouth or too girly or too brown (laughs) 
to be frank. And I think that I just want to change what that image is because I think that until we're really challenging that mainstream narrative and putting people that have the flavor, the pizzazz, the style, the storytelling that is needed to get a majority of Americans paying attention to the story of climate justice and climate action. Both our political and economic leaders need to take to shift this crisis, then we're not going to win. And so I think moving forward, I hope you enjoy my series as I continue to explore the imperfections and challenges and opportunities of embracing an environmentally friendly lifestyle and being a climate change activist and that you'll be able to offer your own opinions and conversation starters with me on what you want to see on my show. And most of my episodes are going to be recorded as live stream video on a live stream video platform. So you can find them on my Crowdcast profile, crowdcast.io slash browngirlgreen, or my YouTube channel, Brown Girl Green. And I hope you check out my website that is listed on my Instagram profile, christydrutman.com, where you can find out more about my episodes, subscribing to future newsletters, my blog, and just learn more about me and this unfolding story of an environmentalism that pushes boundaries in the 21st century. I'm Christy Drutman, and thank you for listening to my first episode of Brown Girl Green, where I interview environmental leaders and advocates about workplace and member diversity and inclusion. I am working to change the image of what it means to be an environmentalist in the 21st century.